podcast is about our experiences with being self-employed, entrepreneurship, and bootstrapping it. Sometimes I have a spectacular guest that join me and share their stories. Also, it's about connecting to our soul, our inner selves, to unwind and chill. My name is Lourdes, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, welcome back. Let me tell you about Mark Hunter. Mark Hunter is a full-stack WordPress developer. He offers custom-made websites, digital marketing, and he specializes in memberships and marketing funnels. He is also the founder of WP Study Group on Facebook. Mark is from Down Under, you know, from Australia. I met Mark in, I guess, 2016, and it's been a while since I've talked to Mark. So I'm really excited to have him join our show today. And Mark, thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy uh, to have you as my guest. How are you? I'm doing really well, Mickey. How are you? Good, good. Everything's good here. And I just want to remind everybody that Mark is in Australia. So I think, oh my gosh, it's like I'm recording on a Friday and it's Saturday morning for Mark. So thank you so much for getting up early and um, joining me today. Um, So I want to start off with some questions that um, I wanted to ask you. What made you decide to have your own business? I think for me, a lot of people say it was about the freedom, but I think for me it was about paving my own pathway. I um, really couldn't find, it's kind of hard to describe, but I really couldn't find a traditional job that fitted, fitted me. And I didn't necessarily have the qualifications and skills they were looking for because by the time I actually was job ready, quote unquote, I was kind of too old to find. Because basically younger people would have been cheaper to put into an entry position than me. So I think it was about creating my own opportunity, to be honest. And I think that's really the reason I started. And yeah, that's I guess that's probably the best explanation for me. It was about creating my own opportunity. Not everybody knows what you do. So can you tell us what you do? Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually a web developer, meaning I, a WordPress web developer. So I program and in PHP and all those kind of other technologies you might've heard of. Some people might be familiar with things like CSS. Um, And I've been sort of doing that since 2004. But in 2010, I think I kind of become aware of WordPress. And I remember dabbling in it at the time. And I kind of thought, this is kind of not so good, you know, because, you know, it's back in 2010. I didn't know a lot about that. I just kind of built websites from, you know, HTML and that sort of stuff. And back in the day, I had already tried Joomla earlier. And Joomla was very complicated. But it was something I kind of tolerated. And over the years, maybe by 2011, somebody actually asked me if I could apply my web development skills into the context of WordPress. So, yeah, so to cut a long story short, I'm a WordPress web developer. I know WordPress now, the whole ecosystem, I'm very familiar with a lot of the popular plugins. I consult with people, helping them set up the websites, what particularly membership sites or e-commerce sites, I help people with that kind of flow. But I also have the added benefit of having pulled the code apart. So I kind of know how WordPress works from, you know, what's under the hood programming and also strategically in terms of how to use it. 
and what is actually out there inside of the ecosystem that works best for people. If that kind of paints a little bit of a picture for you. Yeah, it does. Um, were you self-taught as a developer or did you go to school for that? Great question. So, yeah, I was self-taught because in, in that 2004 period that I started learning programming, I had actually just dropped out of a course in college for teaching. So basically I graduated with an early exit. So I wasn't actually, didn't actually go to the board to pass for being a high school teacher or secondary teacher, but I kind of had the education. I didn't want to teach high school students because by that time, you know, kids were getting, I like the idea of teaching people, but kids did not want to be taught. And I just didn't like that environment. So basically I picked up a book in Borders one day. You know, I don't know if you have Borders or you had Borders in the USA, I think maybe. It used to be a bookstore where they have like coffee and, you know, two stories and or I think multiple stories. And I started learning Java programming. That's how I kind of got started. Then about a year later, I jumped onto the PHP bandwagon. I did a lot of courses through lynda.com, which is now LinkedIn Learning. And I kind of built my skills up from there. So, yeah, I would say that's how how I got started. But in 2010, I did take a master's degree to extend my original degree, but it wasn't in education. It was kind of like a jump into programming and web development. So I did take a master's, but I kind of already knew everything by then, so it was kind of easy to get those high distinctions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, self-taught, that's a lot of uh, learning by yourself, especially with coding. Mm -hmm. I'm taking a class right now by myself too. Well, not by myself. I'm taking a class mm -hmm. and it's quite challenging and you are self-taught. So you must have a lot of patience and very smart. <laughs> Do you have, and you know, you said you're self-taught and it was back in 2004. When did you officially have a business or your very first paid client, I guess. I really, I'm trying to think of the timeline, but I do remember my first big website project. I think it was, so that about 2011 and 12, that was kind of a freebie, if you know what I mean. Um, it was a short stint. I think after that, it was actually my doctor who one day I was, you know, sitting at McDonald's having a cheeseburger and kind of, you know, just Wait, staring at the wall. Yeah. did you say you're a doctor? <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Oh, wow. wow. So basically, and I got a phone call. And then my doctor says, hello, Mark. And she says, I don't, you didn't, bet you didn't expect me to call you. And I said, yeah, what's up? But she was actually my psychiatrist, by the way. So I was thinking, what's going on here? Because, you know, it's was, it was like <laughs> counselling, right? And then basically she, you know, she asked me to help her husband with a website he was building for his coaching business. So that was my first big gig because she knew, you know, we used to have counselling sessions, so she kind of knew all about what I was doing and how I was coping with, you know, lack of ambition. Well, not ambition, lack of, you know, opportunity and kind of confidence even. And that was kind of really nice to get started there. And I was thinking, like, um, now who's a mad one? You hire me to do your website. So, you know, it's like... <laughs> That's nice. Um, so she found you because you she knew about your background. Yes. Aside from that, your second clients, were they a referral or how do you, uh, 
someone look for you or you find clients? Yeah. Uh, if I remember back around that time, I did think I was kind of also into those networks. Like there's a network back then called VA Classroom run by Craig Kennings and Kelly Kennings. And there was VA Networking run by Tonya Sutherland. I remember I also looked into those kind of networks and then I was kind of a bit confused as to the term VA slash virtual assistant back then because in my own mind, I didn't understand, couldn't differentiate, is this a freelancer or or is this something else? And so basically I joined Tonya's network and what I'll say is I spent a lot of time on the forum sharing my expertise, just, you know, just like I was doing years ago with my doctor, you know, just like all those years sharing things and come to think of it even then before then I kind of was also mingling with Justin Popovic in his group because I I didn't feel somehow confident enough that I could get clients but at the same time I want it in my own you know narrow mind I wanted to create products and you know I probably didn't even think how to sell this product you know the gurus made it look so easy but you know Justin was a very great teacher and he was ran this class on product creation and basically through his class, through his network, through Tonya's network, people started hearing about my expertise. And it wasn't long before Justin asked me to do a webinar for him. And I remember I did, I think, two presentations for him, which actually landed me a few clients because a lot of the people in this group were kind of looking for help with their websites. And ironically, it was the same thing with Tonya's group. And then Tonya and I built up a nice relationship because, you know, Tonya's always so kind and caring. A lot of the people, you know... I hang out with, you kind of keep the ones, you know, who were kind and caring. So it was all about relationship marketing, I guess. I didn't know that's what I was doing. I wasn't intending on that. But just by being me, being myself, sharing my knowledge, it came to a point where, you know, Tonya asked me to present at VA Virtuoso's. Justin asked me to do some webinars for him. So I would say a big part of my success story would be sharing knowledge, actually doing presentations like I'm doing with you now, which actually led to clients, which actually led to referrals, and that kind of created that flywheel, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And is this Justin, the guy that does the PLRs? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is correct. Very That's lovely, awesome. very lovely person. I think he's even actually asked me to do a presentation in March, which is kind of fun. I think it's, yeah, he's kind of doing a series, I believe, and he's asked me to consider doing one then, and, yeah, I'm happy to do it because I love <laughs> talking about WordPress. <laughs> yeah, um, thinking um, of having those clients and new clients that are coming to you and you've helped them. Did you find any of those clients to be difficult to work with? Oh, goodness. Yeah. So some <laughs> of the referrals that come out, like some of my, I actually built a lot of peer relationships and some of those peers had referred me to clients, which was also great. And I've had a few nightmare clients like everybody else. And there was probably one client who, there were two clients who were kind of, actually the funny thing is the, the two clients were actually, one client referred the other client. So it was kind of like, you know, the same kind of angry network, if you know what I mean. And it was like, I was their puppy dog, you know, you do this now, you do that. And because I haven't really been very good at that point with boundaries. So I just thought, yeah, yeah, I'll just do it. I'll just help out, you know, and do that. But because I didn't set that precedence, you know, there was one time the client's attitude totally changed towards me because 
I said to her, I'm actually down the road getting medication. I can't do this right now, but I'll do it when I get home. So I jumped on a call for 90 minutes later. And I think from there, she kind of become quite agitated with me because I didn't jump in that, in that instant one minute. I actually took 90 minutes to kind of get to her. I believe that um, there, the boundaries are important. And mm. we all learn as business owners that we experience mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But how do you teach a client your boundaries? How do you have them to have an expectation of how you and the client will work together to set those boundaries? How do you tell them that? It's really difficult for me, but I think, to be honest, but I think it comes down to even when you send them like a proposal or something, because just to outline the expectations in that. So it's more or less, you know, I'll be available between these hours or, you know, and you might occasionally, as you get to know know them a bit better, you might occasionally flex that kind of opportunity based on how you feel about that client. You know, like you might say, yeah, I'll, I'll jump on that. But you don't want to give them, how do I say this? There's many different types of clients, right? So there are some clients you'll do a project with. There are other clients who'll kind of return to you basically for little tasks, right? You, do you know what I mean? Like pay per task. So if a client gives me something, I will avoid saying to them, oh, yes, I'll get you back to you on that tomorrow. I'll say like, I'll try and extend that time frame. Like I'll get back to you soon, you know, in terms of a reply. Or if you do set an expectation, like there's a, let's say, you say you're going to have this created in five days' time, you would extend the amount of time, let's say eight days, and maybe deliver it on the seventh day. So it kind of sets the boundary, but it also looks like you're over-delivering, which you are, but it kind of positions it in their mind that you are. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Uh, so on your proposal, I'm not sure if you said you outlined the timeline, Do you, for example, for me, when I send a proposal, I also send an agreement. Is that something you do? Well, it's something I should do. And honestly, (laughs) but I've always liked to build that kind of trust. But that sometimes backfires. Like in 2021, I had my first bad experience with, you know, when I say bad experience, I had a client who was like basically a professional speaker. He talked about, you know, showing up and, taking responsibility and all that was kind of his premise. I built him a website we were working on. I kind of did the copy. I made the mistake of not taking the money up front because I thought it was only a short project. You know, it was kind of something I could complete in a short timeline. Then something came up for him and returned one week later to it. And then suddenly he kept skipping out on the follow-up call. So then he kept scheduling. So like free calls, he totally bailed out on. And then he disappeared from the, altogether. So here I was with a completed website, you know, that we could have modified. I had written the copy. It was only a one page of it, you know, it's still it's still kind of a lesson to be learned. And that was kind of the first client who skipped out on the bill. And I thought because of his mantra and because of how well-known he seemed to be, he would have taken responsibility, you know, but he didn't. He just got up and left because he was having issues, obviously, in his family. But rather than him coming to me and say, I can't do this, I can't pay. He chose to basically keep scheduling the meetings and and not turning up until he decided he didn't want to do it and just disappear. I'm sorry to hear that. Learning from that, so uh, apparently you require payment up front. Do you ask for a full payment? How do you ask for these payments from the clients? 
Yeah. So usually what I usually do, and it's, I usually ask for like a 50% payment in the first week. Sometimes if the work doesn't cost me, I might actually just, you know, get a, a head start one week ahead. But it really is wise to have a payment at, you know, upfront. I thought in the past in my own mindset that avoiding having a payment upfront would be like make the client happy. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change how the client feels about, you know, how grumpy they might be. It doesn't change the client in the end. So by getting a payment upfront, it actually qualifies and disqualifies clients. So just because you think you're being nice and taking a payment, doing a project that might take you like 10 days and taking the payment afterwards, it doesn't make the client think any differently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't do business that way. Um, usually I ask for 50% down. Yeah. And at the halfway point, I ask for the next quarter down. And then before I release a website, I yes. show the client, make sure it's approved, and then get the final payment and then release the website, right? Yeah, I kind of was doing your approach too. And it's good because we have control because it's on our servers. Yes. But with this client last year, it's like it was my website. It was everything was on my kind of area. It was my creation, but it didn't stop him like losing interest or whatever happened. I think he had some issues with family. It didn't stop him from just walking out because he had no skin in the game to stay. But if it's a long project like you and I, we do like kind of web projects. Definitely, you know, take that. We might take the first payment a couple of weeks into it, whatever, um, or at the start. But if it's a short project, like a one week sort of kind of micro project, it's probably as worthwhile taking the money up front. And or 50 50. <laughs> so if there's a new business owner starting in the website developer uh, business, Mm -hmm. What advice would you give that person as far as payments, hours, retainers? What should this new person do? Well, that's a tough question because if it's that they haven't got clients, I think they really need to find out what makes them unique to get the client. But assuming they have got client flow or leads coming in um, for websites, I would definitely suggest projects. The reason being is it's not very common to do to build a website on a retainer and it can be a bit disturbing for the client with that uncertainty of they want a project that has a finish line and is this finish line going to stop here or is it going to go on forever? Now, if it's a project like social media management, that's where like retainers make sense because it's kind of a recurring monthly thing. But when it's a website, the client wants... They, the client will always ask you, how long will that take? And that's really a hard question to answer, especially if you haven't done it before. And to be honest, I don't like to answer that. Not that it'd be nice that for years. <laughs> because, you know, it takes what it takes. But if you're paying for, if you're doing a project and you're saying like, you know, a four weeks to delivery or whatever, whatever the scope of work is, the client's less likely to ask that because they know, they know the price up front and they know, you know, A to it's A to Z, you know, they don't have to worry about the time because they're not paying hourly and you don't have to be put in that awkward position of, oh, how long will it take? What if they ask this or that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do, I do know. Um, so, Mark, 
I know you've been really busy with mm-hmm. your business. And do you have team members? Yes, I do. So I have some help, although the team members ironically don't know how to do what I do. And the team members more or less help behind the scenes, like with some of the marketing or I got a really great social media community manager. Her name is Karen. You, I think you want, do you know Karen K? I don't know if you do. I don't think so. Everyone in the VA industry kind of knows her because she's kind of this, you know, very popular. I'm going to say popular, very well known, you know, and she's, she knows everybody in the industry and she's worked with organisations like Iva. Um, so she's really, really great. And she helps me basically with the community, keeping an eye on things like with the Facebook groups I have or the one I have for my own membership site. She also creates social media content for, you know, my mark of approval kind of consultancy. And I kind of am scaling up. I kind of had to let a couple go because of some, you know, differences in, let's say, there's just some things that weren't compatible but Karen is you know she's been working with me since March in 2021 and she just everybody just lost Karen so that's really good so yeah and I'm planning on kind of bringing a team together of help with the development of websites so I do have some plans so yeah so basically Karen is kind of like a fixture I have Kathy who from Europe who's kind of a writer but she's also was a trained web developer too. So I'm kind of hoping she'll, you know, spring back into her web development. And Karen's from New Jersey. And I kind of have Marie from Virginia, who's more of a strategic partner, but she will help me like refer people to me. So we work strategically on projects. And I have (laughs) Heidi from South Africa, who's a really great networker too. And she's great with graphics, but she wants to move more into becoming her own consultant. So we definitely talk about ways we can collaborate now. So, yeah, I have basically a team of one or two, if you know what I mean. Team of two, I guess. Yeah, I do know what you mean. So I have two questions that came in my mind while you were talking. One, you spoke about your your uh, study group that's coming mm-hmm. up soon. Mm-hmm. And two, your team members. Yeah. Was it hard to find team members? And how do you know to trust them? And how do you know if they're good and how do you let them go? <laughs> That's a good point. So all the team members are kind of very close to me. So that kind of makes it hard and easy, if you know what I mean. So basically, but when you have that team and they know each other, you also got that support. So if you have to let one team member go and that team member kind of shows some so side of them that you kind of are not very comfortable with, you kind of, get an understanding when the other team members give you their perspective, but they won't tell you typically unless you ask them, if you know what I mean, because a lot of team members don't want to make it look like they're, you know, yucky. But there was this one team member once that kind of really showed a side that I kind of had known him for a long time and I know he kind of was prone to getting agitated, but I kind of... Let's just say there was a last straw and basically the team I got was really great. So Heidi from South Africa, she kind of was there for me because it was like in the afternoon when I was able to speak to her and, you know, Karen and Marie were asleep because, you know, in America it was like 
three in the morning. And then basically by the time we were having, she was consoling me, we were talking about kind of the chaos that had gone down. She was able to ping the others because we spoke for so long. Um, it was like the others were getting up by the time we were still talking. So she got everybody on the call and they all kind of consoled me and actually empowered me by telling me how I'd made so many changes in their lives. They told me all the things that had changed because of me and my influence on them. And they gave me that perspective of just seeing like that I mattered. Do you know what I mean? So it kind of come to a point where I realized these are the people who love me and I love them. And there are some people who will take and not give so much. And there were some people you can really feel. So I guess to answer your question, it comes down to a gut feeling. And sometimes if, you, if you're too deep into the, you know, mud, your gut feeling won't register, if that makes sense. So trust the initial gut feeling you have and try not to let that go as you become more enamored in, you know, the relationship, that whether it's real or false. Do you know what I'm saying? Trust that gut at the beginning before the relationship goes to a point where you lose sight of yourself. Does that make sense? Makes sense. It almost sounds like you also have to be a little bit vulnerable. Right. And she sounds like a really good team player. She was there for you, mm-hmm. with you, kind of holding your hand and got everybody on the team when you everybody woke up at the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So what have you been up to? Yeah. Uh, so the WordPress study is actually my membership for my, it's like my peer-based, you know, it's basically, you could say the two businesses, but it's just one business, but it's basically the peer side of things I do where I train my peers. So the people I told you about are also part of that group. And actually, it's a good thing you mentioned that because I actually met them through the group, if that makes sense. They joined as members and they kind of become my pupils before they become my, you know, team, if that makes sense. And that was a really great way of kind of qualifying. So what I do in that group is basically I teach different WordPress processes. Now, every month I'm kind of releasing something in terms of something you need to do and know with WordPress. This month is going to be how to build a webinar sign-up page of Elementor and some other, you know, market trainings around that. That's mainly the topic of the month. And then I have coaching calls where they get on with me and ask questions that I answer. So it's basically a community where we learn about WordPress. And the reason I created that community is because I I see a lot of WordPress courses or trainings out there. But what I don't see, and this is what everybody tells me, I don't see somebody they can actually talk to who's actually teaching the courses and they can get feedback from and actually have a community community around. Because WordPress becomes more like a commoditized training these days, if you've, you may have noticed. There's really nobody holding your hand. Like I said, Heidi holding my hand and Karen holding my hand. There was nobody to hold their hands when they were learning about WordPress, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We're usually watching videos from, I don't know, maybe they made it last year or the year before. And and sometimes you have to go and ask questions and it could take a few days to get an answer. So it's nice to have your hands held. <laughs> it is definitely. And some of them will even book me for, you know, like individual one-on-ones because they need that extra, you know. And most of it's just confidence, to be honest, and, you know, education, but then confidence to apply it. You know, you mentioned confidence uh, a few times. 
how did you get your confidence? Do you still get imposter syndrome today? I don't think you do. Not when it comes to my skills. And I never really have when it comes to my skills. The only time I would ever feel out of my confidence depth is if I take the wrongful, you know, I take the kind of harmful advice of the quote-unquote gurus and try and take an approach that is not me and that's selling something that is not me. Um, all I'm being pushed by somebody who I'm trying to help and they want me to get out of my comfort zone because it's about them, not about me. And that's the only time I will feel not confident. But when I'm doing me, when I'm doing what I love, when I'm doing what I know, I'm totally in my zone of, you know, um, in my Zen zone. I like that Zen zone. Mark, you sound like you're really, really busy. What do you do in your spare time when you're not working, but, you know, putting together a class, uh, working with clients, managing teams? What do you do for fun? Do you have any suggestions? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, that is fun, but I do need to rest my brain. So I think the simple things that I, that I should do more often, like the other day I really enjoyed going out with my sister to see the new Spider-Man movie. You know, we kind of went out. I kind of got a Coke and some M&Ms, and we kind of – and this is in the movie theatre, right? And I also enjoy – you know, sometimes just spending time with family and having maybe, you know, buying something like Indian or watching a movie. I really don't have friends in my own country, ironically. I have a couple that occasionally, but I really don't have anybody I can go out with. But when it comes to my family, they're very important to me. And of course, my cat, everybody knows about Prue. And just spending time. And I think sometimes getting out of the house is really nice for me. Getting out of my dungeon here and kind of even the simple things like going for a walk and just but when I go for work, I kind of think about, you know, work. Yeah. And I enjoy it. But if it's to get my mind off work, it's kind of nice to watch a movie and hang out with family or even Netflix, you know. I even forced myself to watch two Netflix movies in the past two weeks. And, you know, I kind of enjoyed the movies and they kind of left a good taste in my mouth, even though they were horror movies, <laughs> ironically. But. <laughs> It's a good memory because the years back, you kind of look back on those memories and they have a nostalgic feeling. And I don't yeah. want to be stuck, like you said, in this kind of work and only be known for work. And I think that's really good. And one of my, you know, the strategic partner, strategic partner I was telling you about, Marie from Virginia, we sometimes get on Zoom and just goof off and sometimes we'll laugh for hours at nothing. So, you know, you can still use your friends from online from business and just talk about nothing, you know. So, yeah. yeah. So especially when we have like a lot of stress from difficult clients, you just need to get out of the dungeon. Like you said, just go out for a walk or, you know, talk to a friend, laugh it off. It's yeah, good. Laughing's really good. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, it's all screen based, but I never used TikTok before. And, you know, I saw this TikTok video. It was kind of really strange, but I laughed for an hour after I saw it. It was like, <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. Well, all right. So it's gotten to the part of this podcast where I ask you a weird or funny question, Mark. Go for it. All right. So well, here it is. Would you rather spend the rest of your life living in a sailboat as your home or an RV as your home and why? I would say RV. And the reason why is because it's the lesser of the two evils because <laughs> I don't like either. But um. 
a <laughs> sailboat is in the ocean surrounded by nothingness, right? And RV, at least I've got a chance to have people around me because one of my things is actually, even though I'm kind of quite like if I'm an, if an extrovert's a 10 out of 10 and an introvert's a 1 out of 10, I would be 4.5 out of 10. I like to have people around me, even if it's just, even if I'm working, I like to know that there's people in the world. And by being in the ocean or being in space, anything like that, I get a claustrophobic feeling thinking about it because I'm like, oh, there's, you know, there's nothingness. It's just water. There's no human contact. There's maybe not even seagulls. You know, it's it, no cat, unless, not even my cat, at least in an RV, you know, I might get trampled by an elephant, but at least I'd have the company of the elephant, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Let's hope not. <laughs> well, you said you'd ask a strange question. I gave a strange answer, but it's true. I like to be surrounded by company. Yeah, sounds good. And so finally, how do people find you? And please tell us more about that class that's coming up. Yeah, for sure. So my website for my consultancy business is markofapproval.com. You can, if you're going to put links on the replay, I can put my LinkedIn link as well. My LinkedIn link is just mark of approval as well. I typically go by that term when I can. The website for the WordPress study group is wpstudygroup.com. Right now, I've got to, I'm trying to re- reopen the membership, but I believe there's a link to the community WordPress group on there that anybody can join and, you know, say hello, hang out with kind of, you know, the other people. I think I've got 70 plus. It's not a big group, but it's a very intimate group. So, yeah, I'd say wpstudygroup.com or markofapproval.com. And you can pretty much find everything else from those two websites in terms of how to follow me on social, the group to join, more contact form to say hello. So that's probably your best bet. Sounds good. I'll have all those in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for um, joining me in my podcast today. This was so interesting. I learned a lot about you today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And that's it for today's episode. Are you homeschooling your kids today because of the current situation? Join me next week when our topic is about balancing homeschooling and working from home. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and please share this episode with your friends. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. And as always, the show notes will be available at 8thLevelPodcast.com. Thanks for listening.